The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to The Chris and Joe Show on Big Blue View Radio, your go-to source for New York Giants analysis. Pressure from Thomas off the edge. Eli Manning stays on his feet. Airs it out down the field. It is caught by Tyree. Welcome back to the Chris and Joe Show presented to you by SB Nation and Big Blue View. It is not just me this time. Chris is back after not being here for the Quick Takes episode. We are already transitioning to the Philadelphia Eagles, the Giants' next opponent. As we typically do, we will usually break down the previous game's film. Sadly, because of a short week, a Thursday night football game against the Eagles, we don't have the ability to break down this previous win against the Washington football team. Before we get into this discussion, though, Chris, I'm just curious to hear your thoughts. It was pretty nice to see the Giants finally win a game, albeit they were a hair bailed out by that aggressive decision by Ron Rivera to go for two, but a win is a win nonetheless. The defense played phenomenal on a number of plays, especially on that two-point conversion and that Tay Crowder touchdown recovery. Well, you know, what are your thoughts just on the on the on that victory? Because we didn't get to hear from you after the game. <laughs> it's nice to finally get one. Yeah, you know, I think the Giants got the right team at the right time. Yeah, you know, my thoughts aren't too in depth because I didn't really get a chance to watch the game. Uh, basically, I had a family commitment. My parents renewed their wedding vows after 35 years, and I was asked asked to be the ring bearer, and that's not exactly a thing you can turn down. For the Giants' perspective great to finally get a win was a nail biter because I think you kind of Joe judge said so after the game, you have to expect that Ron Rivera is going to be aggressive, you know, riverboat Ron. And in that moment, I do think going for two was the right, you know, that, that is the right call there. Just go ahead, go win it outright. Cause I, I think players want to see that kind of aggression. They want to see their coach calling the game to win, but the giants came up with the play they needed and especially the touchdown, uh, yeah, the touchdown by Tay Crowder, that was something they needed because you know, otherwise they only had 13 points of their own on offense. So it will be interesting, I think, to see whether or not the Giants can carry any momentum from that win on the short week, short turnaround with a very young team, a brand new head coach going against a veteran team with a veteran head coach. I think the one takeaway we need to have from this, Chris, is we need you to 
have uh, more excuses to not be around on Sundays because the one time that you're not here, the Giants end up winning. And it's the one time that we can't have that discussion after the game of, hey, the Giants finally won. I had to do it on my own. But uh, no, obviously glad that we have you back, Chris, for today's breakdown of the Philadelphia Eagles, a team that is significantly underperforming but at the same time have had a buzzsaw of a schedule early on. Their last two games against the Pittsburgh Steelers, and then this past week, of all teams that you want to face after a a tough loss against Pittsburgh, you have to deal with the Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson. A very narrow loss for them, 30-28, a game that also involved a failed two-point conversion that impacted the final outcome. When we discuss the players to know, the very first player, and we have a tendency to do this, to always bring up the quarterback. Carson Wentz is a bit different than Kyle Allen slash Alex Smith and also Nick Mullins and some of the other guys that we've had to talk about, Mitch Trubisky. This is very different. Carson Wentz is a very talented quarterback who right now just seemingly is visibly trying to do too much with a limited roster around him to support him. Yeah, it seems anytime the Giants face the Eagles anymore, they're catching the Eagles when they're just being devastated by injury. Uh, Right now, I'm honestly not sure I could name any of the Eagles starting offensive line. They are just getting hit left, right, and center by injuries, and their wide receiving core is getting beat up. It has almost no depth. You can see in their game tape, Carson Wentz just saying, okay, looks like I'm going to have to win this game on my own. And it kind of is that way for him right now. Yeah, you can see in his performances, he's really aggressive in forcing passes into situations that might not particularly be there. Right now, he has nine interceptions on the season. That is not a very good start to the year for him, despite being a guy that could statistically put up some gaudy numbers. We have to also mention the emergence of an underrated playmaker for them. We haven't seen a large enough sample size to determine if this guy will become a consistent option for the Eagles, but over the past two games, he's looked pretty good, especially a huge game against the Steelers, that being Travis Fulgham. And then also, if they possibly have Deshaun Watson back for this Thursday night game, it's looking like that's going to happen. Those are two of their better receivers right now. Uh, for this Eagles team. No Jalen Rager as of right now, from what I understand, but uh, Fulgham has been able to step in into an emerging role. Yeah, I don't think anybody saw him coming. We had mentioned him as a guy the Giants might want to put in a waiver wire claim for at final cutdowns, but he's got good size, uh, 6'2", about 215. He's got good hands. He runs good routes, reasonably athletic. He can make some plays with the ball in his hands. He has more or less come out of nowhere to be a really good all-around weapon for the Eagles over the last couple of weeks. He pretty quickly became their number one receiving target. And from what I saw, he plays pretty much everywhere in their offense. So he's a guy the Giants defense is going to have to keep track of. He lines up on the left, on the right, in the slot. I've even seen him line up in the backfield a few times. So that's something the Giants are definitely going to have to keep an eye on. One thing's for sure, Chris, with this team in 2020, they have dealt with a stupid amount of injuries, and we have seen a number of teams this year be decimated by injury problems. The injury bug hit the 49ers right before the Giants played them, and now they're facing the Eagles, who are 
arguably maybe worse off than the 49ers were. Their offensive line is completely picked apart. Jason Kelsey is the only guy that I really can point to as a, a returner and a, a good veteran on this lineup. If Lane Johnson doesn't play, who's been in and out of the of the starting lineup, Jack Driscoll then plays right tackle. The right guard, Nate Herbig, and then also Jamon Brown was recently added to play left guard. Not to mention the fact that they're using a guy who has barely played football. Jordan Melata, a former rugby player, is playing left tackle for them. So they are uh, a complete makeshift unit a, a overall lack of consistency at wide receiver, as I mentioned, the rookie and the dynamic rookie Jalen Rager being out with uh, an, an injury over this period of time, having different guys sliding in and out of the lineup. The big reason why this team has not performed well is that they lack depth. They have horrible depth. Some teams, like the 49ers, can have guys step up and do very, very well. But this Eagles team does not have guys that are capable of filling in and stepping up to the occasion. We are seeing all of these players that have to fill in become liabilities for the Eagles. Yeah, and that, I think, is what co- is why we are seeing Carson Wentz press so hard, to, doing trying to do everything he can, and honestly, too much, to try to win these games. He has been been I think I think I saw he had been hit 40 times going into the Baltimore game and then Baltimore sacked him another six times he he has just been under siege in the backfield trying to wade through just waves of pass rushers from teams like the Steelers and the Ravens and he is making desperation throws you know trying to find open wide receivers whose name isn't Fulgham they are just in a difficult spot with their offense because of all these injuries. You know, it's something we saw when the Giants played them last year, and really, it's a, it's a position we've seen the Giants' offense in as well. Uh, going back to like that stretch from 2012 to 2015 when the Giants were the NFL's injury dynasty, uh, then again in 2017 when their wide receiving core just got wiped out in one game. It's going to be interesting to see how Philadelphia copes on the short turnaround and whether or not they get Deshaun Jackson back, what he is able to do for them. That short turnaround, I think, has to be factored into this as well. You have some guys that are possibilities to play this upcoming Thursday. We're recording this on Monday, so we're very ahead on decisions for these injuries But if certain guys can't play because it's not a normal week, then they're going to have to continue with this already very, very thin unit at offensive line and also at receiver. And I think that that then rolls into why Carson Wentz is not doing very well. I frankly stand by the, the thought process that if you think that Carson Wentz is not performing well because he is just making mistakes, I think that that's a little bit lazy. I think that if you actually go and observe what he's doing, how what he's having to deal with, he is really, really not being helped at all. Now, I'm not going to condone a lot of the mistakes that he's making because he is definitely making mistakes, but you have to see some of the things that he's dealing with. He has a makeshift offensive line that is barely protecting him. He's already had an injury history problem, so you can't blame the guy for being a hair timid when he's facing pressure. And then on top of that, a lot of his receivers are dropping passes. With all these young guys that are stepping in with limited experience, there are a lot of balls that guys are dropping 
that should have been catches, that are routine NFL catches that they are not capitalizing on. So that is something that you have to consider to be worried about with Carson Wentz. That is, if if the guys around him are just a little bit on, a little bit better than they have been, he can do very well. And we saw him throw for four touchdowns this past game because he was able to step up in the very end and the guys around him were able to step up in the very end of the game and keep it close. Yeah, and I have to say the end of that Baltimore game was absolutely wild. You could see Carson Wentz just go full YOLO, the Eagles offense throw caution to the wind because they were down by a lot and they had to make up a ton of ground in very little time. They wound up scoring 22 points in the fourth quarter. So they do have the play some players in the pieces and Carson Wentz is chief among them that when things click, they can be very difficult to stop. They can pick up chunk plays. Uh, they can pick them up on the ground. They can pick them up through the air. And it really does start with Carson Wentz. And he, when he isn't desperately throwing off of his back foot because the offensive line disintegrated in front of him, he can still place the ball well. He can still reach all areas of the field. And his legs are absolutely a weapon for them. My apologies on the mix-up with the stat line. He actually only threw for two touchdowns, but again, still uh, was able to finish that game strong and keep them in a spot to possibly win it as they only lost by two points. Now, in terms of strengths, you have to you have to consider the, the Jekyll and Hyde of Carson Wentz, that if he is not playing well and the guys around him are not supporting him, He's going to struggle. He's going to have a, a stat line where he's hovering around 50% completion percentage and maybe throws an interception or two. Or like this past game, he's a little bit cleaner and he can step up and, and almost elevate the guys around him and keep, keep them within these games. So you have to be willing to recognize that even if the Giants are, are leading or close in this game, Carson Wentz is a guy that can still keep them within the game despite everybody else around him being below average in talent yeah and the Giants do need to play with discipline on defense we've seen it kind of more and more over the last couple weeks is that the the Eagles are starting to be willing to use Jalen Hurts their backup quarterback who they drafted in the second round this past year out of Alabama by way of Oklahoma and Hurts is a very different quarterback from Carson Wentz. He is a a two-way a mobile quarterback. He's a ve- he's a very modern corner uh, quarterback, you know, in in kind of the same vein as Lamar Jackson or Kyler Murray is a guy who's who can gash a defense with his legs, but those his legs are incorporated with his passing. And I even noticed on some plays in the Baltimore game that Philly is putting both of their quarterbacks on the field at the same time. Uh, there was one play, it didn't go for very much. I believe Hertz slipped, but where they had Hertz take the snap, Wentz was lined out at receiver. He dropped back, got a bit of blocking from the other receivers over there, threw, and then threw it back to Hertz on a, what was basically a screen play. So that sort of play design, if your defense is not paying attention, if they lose track of the ball, lose track of who's on the field, that can wind up being very bad for your team. We're going to switch to talking about this struggling Eagles defense 
Before we do so, though, folks, we're just going to take a really short commercial break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. To keep things quite simple, considering how talented the group is, first group of guys to know for this Eagles defense has to be their entire defensive line. Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham are still super talented players. We've seen them in the past cause fits for the Giants' offensive line, not to mention Josh Schwett emerging as a strong player, Derek Barnett still being talented, and then also if Javon Hargrave is available, uh, he is also very, very good. This is a collective unit that makes up for a lot of problems on the back end at linebacker and also uh, various parts of their secondary. They can create pressure. This is a a unit that loves to send five. Jim Schwartz is not afraid to send extra pressure. He will get in your face. He will cause problems. And that is something that has been issues for this Giants offensive line. They've had problems when dealing with heavy pressure. So we need to be fully prepared again to see uh, Daniel Jones in some adverse pocket situations. Yeah, and speaking of Jim Schwartz, you know, this still looks like a Jim Schwartz defense. Uh, he does still love to line up his defensive linemen wide, go for the those wide nine techniques with his edge rushers. So that could very well put the Giants' offensive tackles out on islands, force them to expand the pocket, and then that could create rushing lanes for any blitzers, uh, could open up the inside move, especially for Brandon Graham and Josh Sweat, Graham, who is, you know, he is still really good, really great with his hands, great technique, and more athletic than I think you would expect a 32-year-old defensive end to be. And Josh Sweat is just an athletic freak who is finally starting to come into his own. And then, like you said, uh, Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargrave, they are both very good, very athletic, and very big interior defensive linemen. So once again, which I think that's... I think it's a refrain we're getting, we might as well just put on repeat for the rest of the season. The Giants offensive line has their work cut out for them. Yeah, the the continued struggle of or not struggle, but the it seems like every single week we've had to mention this is going to be a tough matchup for the offensive line and this week is certainly no different. The only one that you could argue was not was against the Dallas Cowboys, but this week continues the trend different looking group than the Washington football team as a lot of their talent came on the outside. This group, a little bit more talent on the inside from their defensive tackles, uh, Brandon Graham and Fletcher Cox. Also, you have to mention the guy that they traded for in the offseason, Darius Slay, the former Detroit Lion. 
talented cornerback. He's a veteran. He's been around this in this league for a long time. There's a reason why they went to make a move and bring him in because they are very, very thin at corner besides Darius Slay. And I almost wonder, Chris, if they didn't have Darius Slay, how much worse would their secondary be? Because besides him, there really is not anybody that, that does a good job. Yeah, that that's it exactly. You know, Slay hasn't made the big plays that he's known for, at least not yet. But he is still a good cover corner. And honestly, given the rest of the Eagles secondary, he's not tested all that often. I believe he's only been targeted 30 times this year. That's not a whole lot. And looking at the rest of their secondary, I think that's kind of a perfect segue into the weaknesses of their defense, which is pretty much everyone else back there. But I'm going to pick on Jalen Mills to start with because I had hopes for him coming out of college, but man, he is a sloppy corner. Like his footwork is more often than not a mess. He gives guys too much cushion. Uh, He seems to get lost in zone coverage, get turned around, turned the wrong way. If the Giants are going to have options in the passing game, I I have a feeling that's where they're going to come. It's kind of funny to now be talking about Jalen Mills as a struggling player because previously he was an underrated performer when this team was doing much better than they are now, but he apparently is turning himself into a weakness. That is a big reason why some teams will revert their direction. Guys that were previously good are having down years, and the expectations that you might have had coming into the offseason don't really fit the bill. So Jalen Mills is one of those guys. You mentioned uh, he looks sloppy right now, and that's somebody on the back end that and a big reason why that they really do need Sterling Shepard this game, that if, if Darius Slayton is matching up with Darius Slay, you really do need Sterling Shepard to get open if he is going up against Jalen Mills. Because other than that, though, like who else is going to be getting open um, and be an option for Daniel Jones if you don't have Sterling Shepard? There's nobody that's super reliable in this Giants receiving group. No, I mean, I suppose your next best cho- your next best choice would be uh, Golden Tate, unless something happened to him that I haven't found out about yet. <laughs> oh, tr- I mean, but the, the thing with me for Golden Tate is that... Uh, he has not performed very well over the past few weeks. He's been relatively inconsistent in terms of production. I feel like he's almost never he's he's almost never a, a reliable option for Jones as we've seen him previously be. So that that's just the only reason why I'm saying that. Like I I really don't know if if Golden Tate can go out there and explode for a huge performance. He still has it in him, but he just hasn't shown that to us. Um, so far this year, Chris, too, I also want to mention the issues that they have at linebacker, because as I mentioned already, this, this defensive line is aggressive. They're attacking Jim Schwartz will stack the line of scrimmage, put guys close to the line of scrimmage, and that will create pressure against, uh, you know, quarterbacks and it will choke down the running game and rushing lanes. But what we see is if, if the ball can get a little bit free, the linebackers and some of the back-end secondary players are just not very good athletes And that if they need to go make a play, they almost rarely do so. They are a big, big reason why they are underperforming right now. Despite the defensive line being so good, they're almost selling out the defensive line because they're failing to make plays that are being lined up for them. Yeah, th- and that is kind of why I said this really does look 
still look like a Jim Schwartz defense. You know, his defenses have always been aggressive, fast flowing defenses. They just don't have the guys at the second level to really execute that and stay in their structure and be sound across the board. You know, they leave cutback lanes. Uh, they don't pursue nearly as well as they need to. And their linebacker group is a, a unit of who's who Duke Riley, Sean Bradley, and then the remaining secondary guys that just have not been performing well, Fonte Maddox, Cravon LeBlanc, guys that are just not stepping up to the occasion when asked to make big plays after other guys on their on their defense are putting them in a position to do so. And the guys that are putting them in that position are the main and I think the only strength for this, this Eagles defense. That is their defensive line. They have depth. They have talent. They have guys that can beat players one-on-one. The interior, this game, Nick Gates, Will Hernandez, Kevin Zeitler are going to have a very difficult task of dealing with the strong interior unit that the Eagles are bringing into this game. Yeah, and we keep saying that that, that's where the game will either be won or lost is along the line of scrimmage. Can the Giants' offensive line stand up to the defensive line they're about to face and keep them out of the backfield long enough to get the playoff without it being blown up. And once again, the the Giants don't have a great matchup here. There will be opportunities down the field, but can they keep Daniel Jones upright? Can they give him enough time to execute the play and deliver the ball down the field? That I think will be the question here. That was what we were asking ourselves this previous game against the Washington football team. Would Daniel Jones have the time to operate in the pocket? And at times he did. At times he he stood strong and, and clean, and that was why he, he graded better than you would have thought he would have, despite really only throwing for around 100 yards. But there were a couple plays here and there that resulted in some serious mistakes. You got a point specifically at that interception he threw when Chase Young came through pretty cleanly, and he threw the ball into a a mob of Washington defenders that was eventually picked off by Fuller. If that was in or out of bounds or not, I'm not going to provide my speculation on that because it's in the past. I thought he was out of bounds, but I don't want to go too deep into that. Um, But the case that we could see here for the Eagles is maybe not constant pressure if, if the Giants are effective in getting the ball out quickly and cleanly and away from their, their defensive line strengths. We could see the occasional play where somebody comes through super cleanly because they had a, a clean rip or a, a, a very clean path to get to Daniel Jones, and that will result in some mistakes, either big sacks or maybe an interception. It, it might not be constant throughout the game, but there's going to be at least one or two plays that are going to impact the outcome depending on how Daniel Jones reacts. Yeah, and those could be opportunities for Darius Slay to make some of those big plays that he is known for. You know, we talked about the defensive linemen pretty consistently throughout this, and they are still athletic. You know, Fletcher Cox, Fletcher Cox is still athletic. Uh, Brandon Graham still athletic. Derek Barnett is athletic. Josh Sweat is very athletic. They're also all very well coached. They've got great hand usage. They all have the ability to disengage. And we saw that against 
better offensive lines than what the Giants have. The Giants offensive line is going to have to bring their A game, uh, whoever happens to be starting. Who knows? Maybe we'll see even more, even more Matt Peart this week. Yeah, hopefully we do get to see Matt Peart. I, I am a big, big advocate of possibly moving him in. You know, Chris, I just want to throw this in here, even though we weren't planning on it. I think it's a good note to wrap the show up on. I honestly think this is worth spe- worth speculating. I, I'm wondering uh, how much we we possibly anger people for pitch for me pitching this. But I had a thought, and it was something that I had brought up during the lead up to the year before the preseason started. And I had mentioned how, and this, I don't think I mentioned on the show, but I mentioned to you when we were doing our scouting how I thought that that Matt Peart and, and my former roommate who was an offensive lineman acknowledges too. He was the one who brought it to my attention that Matt Peart is a little bit more natural as a, a left tackle. And because Thomas is a stronger blocker at uh, a stronger run blocker, he might fit better right tackle. So do you think it's something that maybe the Giants should try to do down the line? Maybe not next week, obviously on a short week, but maybe in week uh, like 13, Go out there with Matt Parrott at left tackle, who graded phenomenally per pro football focus. He had like an 89. And then try Thomas, who continues to be a good run blocker at right tackle. Like I think that that's worth trying. Yeah, if especially if Thomas keeps struggling where he is. Uh, they have, after this week, they have their little mini buy. So maybe they could give that a try in practice. Uh, they have their actual buy coming up just before Thanksgiving. They'll have opportunities to at least experiment a little bit with that. And, you know, if we get there and the Giants only have one more win or no more wins, uh, I I don't see why not. Coming into the season, I figured, I thought the best best path forward was to leave Andrew Thomas at left tackle because that's where he had been practicing the last two years. He didn't have to try to relearn the movement patterns to play right tackle and also Matt Parrott is he was a right tackle in college so he doesn't have to try to learn the movement patterns for left tackle at the very least maybe try him in at right tackle for Cam Fleming because you know Fleming hasn't exactly been lighting it up either and Fleming was previously the PFF darling and then now all of a sudden he's not really doing as well as he was doing early on. So I, there's really no benefit for me on keeping Cam Fleming out there for the entirety of the season. I just think at some point you need to try mixing things up and making a concise decision of where these guys could fit in the long term. Because I, again, I'm going to stand by it. Matt Parrott looked very, very good against the Washington football team going against uh Chase Young on a number of plays. He wasn't perfect. Wasn't perfect because he stepped in in his first ever game. But just seeing that success is very promising. And I think he, you can't just go off of the 26 snaps that he had and then hang your hat on that and then go into next season. You need to find ways to get him in the game more and then have a more concise understanding of what he does well instead of just riding off of that very small sample size. If he flashes in a very small group of plays, get him out there more to see how he does in a full game. Yeah, reward him for that good play. I mean, is it isn't that the way it's supposed to work? You know, you perform well on the field, you should get more chances, right? <laughs> yeah, you'd think so. And and it's you know, just based off of how we've heard Joe Judge talk about players and personnel, it would make a lot of sense. So hopefully we do get to see that. I think a lot of people would be on the same page uh with us on that, that maybe it's worth shuffling some things around and seeing how guys do, and it might be a more 
a cohesive unit if they do so. That's going to be it from us, folks. Thank you for tuning in this Thursday. Tune in uh, for Thursday Night Football 820 kickoff. Giants will be facing off with the Philadelphia Eagles. Make sure you follow us on social media at Big Blue View on Twitter and Instagram. Follow me at Joe DeLeon, Chris at Raptor MKII. Head to BigBlueView.com for more New York Giants news and analysis. And also head to our YouTube channel for more amazing Giants content. Thanks for tuning in, folks. 